In this episode, we focus on Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 through 13. Welcome to the Yellow Balloons podcast, a collection of teachings to help you navigate the transformational possibilities of a God-centered perspective. We pray these insights from Scripture will inspire and encourage you. In this season, Tim Dunn and Joey Willis walk through the book of Ecclesiastes, verse by verse, discussing what is being revealed about the nature of God, our world, and our most adequate response to it. Grab your Bible, some note-taking supplies, and pull up the BibleSays.com commentary on Ecclesiastes as we take a deep dive into the deep truths of Ecclesiastes. Rich with humility and hope, uncertainty and purpose, mystery and faith, this book is sure to challenge your perspective on what it means to live life well. On to chapter 3 of Ecclesiastes. Who wants to give us a brief overview of what this chapter is talking about? Well, I can on this one. Uh, the, after chapter 2, we took a, at the end of chapter 2, we took a redemptive turn there, and we started looking at Hebel or vapor from the standpoint of how can you make sense of it. And it, the answer is faith, gratitude, mm-hmm. and looking at the process as uh, rather than the product it's in the process of life that we gain, that we really gain benefit. And now what we're going to start off is talking about all different kinds of processes. And uh, uh, Kylie's going to read this, but what Joey and I have going through our head is the bird song. Yeah, turn, turn, turn. It's just <laughs> on spin cycle in my head right now. But here we go. All right, so Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8. There's an appointed time for everything, and there's a time for every event under heaven. A time to give birth and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to throw stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to shun embracing. A time to search and a time to give up as lost. A time to keep and a time to throw away a time to tear apart and a time to sew together, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. You know, one of the things uh, Kylie mentioned before that I memorized Ecclesiastes, and as I was going through this section, one of the things that hit me is when you see this passage on different forms of art, it's very kind of selective, it usually doesn't have the whole passage, you know. <laughs> okay. uh, it, it has a time to love, dot dot dot, mm-hmm. a time for peace. <laughs> yeah, right. They they leave out a, a good a good portion of this, which I think is really is really kind of interesting. Um, but what 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 we're saying here, what 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 Solomon is saying here, is that God has appointed everything that we encounter and everything that we experience. And one of the things that is such a powerful boundary in terms of the human experience is time. Um, Kylie can can bear witness to this. I don't like, as a rule, time travel movies because I think what they <laughs> what they do is they they don't work most of the time. There's very few that, that do it well. Most of it, it's like, okay, half of the movie is now invalid and we want to go and erase the consequences that happened from the original choices. 
and even that, it's clunky and messy, and the repercussions are actually just like this exponentially expounded set of consequences that the movie usually ignores at least half of. And so the the reason I don't, I don't like that is, and what Solomon is doing against that, over and against that, is saying time is a big thing. If we're talking about the human experience, time is such a limiting factor for what we can experience in each moment, what we can understand in general. And the point of this whole passage that Kylie just read, these eight verses, is that throughout all of this, the ups, the downs, the tear down, the men, the war, the peace, God is appointing all of it. God is God throughout it all. And so Tim mentioned that we've taken the redemptive turn at the end of chapter two, and now what we're talking about is acknowledging and trusting God, the process uh, of trusting God, not just the product of of how our circumstances are going to turn out. And so each moment in time, each different manifestation of time, each circumstance we face, each emotion we encounter, each relationship we do, uh, each achievement we reach, each failure that we struggle to overcome, all of it is a moment in time that God is the God of. Yeah, and uh, there's a few things in here that can confuse people, like um, well, is, is when is the time to hate? Isn't hate always bad? Well, no, it's not always bad. You want to hate evil. Right. You want to you hate injustice. Um, <clears throat> time for war and a time for peace. Well, one of the main ways you keep peace is by waging war at the right time. And we're supposed to wage war against injustice and against evil. So all, all these things have a place. But time, as Joey said, is a limitation that God put on us. And God gave us limits as a gift. And we have limits. Um, you know, thankfully, people that want to do harm have limits. Uh, our lifespan is a limitation. We only have a certain period of time to know God by faith, to know others by faith. We only have a certain period of time to learn these lessons. And we, we, need, to, we need to give that, a, you know, look at that as a blessing. It's uh, limits create focus. And because we have a smaller amount of time, hopefully we have more urgency. And, you know, I'm, I'm 65 now. I cannot believe it. I don't feel in my mind like I'm 65, but my body's telling me I'm 65. <laughs> um, and so that means, you know, actuarially, I'm, I'm, I'm in the last quartile, you know, and I'm, I'm, approaching, I'm approaching my end. But all I feel is more of a, you know, sense of urgency t- to do life better because life's a process. It's not a destination. Well, and if, if time pushes us to try, if, it, if, it, if time is a boundary that, that uh, activates us, that gives us a sense of urgency, then it, then it certainly is valuable. It helps us to, you know, if we live to be, uh, you know, a thousand years old, um, we, would, we would still, I mean, first of all, it would still be a time limit, but, but second of all, it's not that we would have this all figured out in 900 years, you know, it's, but the time urgency gives us a chance to recognize each moment as valuable mm-hmm. and each passing moment that you can't get back as an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And so as Solomon says throughout here, he's about to get more and more into this, everything that you encounter, 
is this one-time chance to make a choice. Mm -hmm. So every day we're making choices. We're making billions of choices every day about what we wear, what we say, mm -hmm. what we do, what we think, how we perceive things, our attitude. And each of those choices, they pass, and we, we can't mm -hmm. get them back again. Mm -hmm. So part of what Solomon is saying is like, look, there's a time where, for you to hate. You know, mm -hmm. There's a time when evil comes, and you're supposed to hate mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Uh, and so one of the difficult things in life, but also one of the blessed opportunities of life, is to take each moment as it comes mm -hmm. and make the best choice we can and to try. To, it, because one of the, you know, Kylie mentioned the, the, like, the terror and the encouragement. One of the difficult things about, oh my gosh, this moment right now is going to pass, and, mm -hmm. but then another one's coming. <laughs> another opportunity is coming. And so we're called to engage in the process of trying, of doing the best we can, of leaning on the God who's the God of all things and the God of grace and forgiveness and doesn't expect us to be perfect. What he expects us to do is try. You know, the Yellow Balloons um, devotionals, mainly based on one of the servant leadership tools of there's three things you can control. We get to control who we trust, how we look at things for our, our perspective and, and what we do. And it, that's brimming out of this, uh, that you know, time. We, 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 get, we get to choose what we do in time, but the cycles, the result of the cycles, we don't choose. Uh, the result of the cycles is mostly going to be dependent on what other people choose and what God chooses. Right? The vast majority of outcomes is not us. And yet, our choices determine whether we enjoy life or not. And Hebrews says this, Hebrews 11:6, And without faith, it is impossible to please him, God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. So seeking him, God, in everyday things, all the everyday choices of life, is what pleases God, not the, out, not the outcome. We don't create outcomes, which is what frustrated Solomon so much. Even if we do build something, it's going to be torn down at some point in time. It won't last. But if we are faithful in the process of doing that and grateful and enjoy it as we go and invest in others as we go, that's what pleases God. And and if we believe he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, then there actually is a promised conclusion at the end in the next life that will be permanent. And that's, that's what Sir Solomon's heart was longing for. That's what all our hearts are longing for. It only comes through faith in this life. Yeah, I'm just looking at the list here. And another thing that strikes me, we're talking about process and outcomes is if you look at, at this list of all these pairings, there's some outcomes and there's some processes here. And so part of the message here is whatever the outcome, whatever the process, God is there. Mm -hmm. God is available. God has appointed that outcome, that process, that opportunity for us to know him, to lean into him. You know, Kylie and I struggle with things. That struggle is an opportunity to trust God. Mm -hmm. Kylie and I succeed in things. That success is an opportunity to trust mm -hmm. God. We're confused often. That's an opportunity to trust God. Mm -hmm. We understand something. That's an opportunity to trust God. And make good choices. And make good choices and steward it well. And so what mm -hmm. this is saying is, is, look, life is this vast kaleidoscope of moments. And the point is not to control them all or to perf mm -hmm. perfect each and every little one of them. The point of life is to uh, sail on that wave 
uh, and try to steward it as best you can. And every outcome is part of a process. <laughs> right. <laughs> there's no there's no stopping point to life. Uh, it's just going to continue on until this this earth and this universe burns up and there's a new one. Mm. And then we'll start another process. Mm. Yeah. yeah. It actually brings a lot of comfort and solace, this section for me. It's like, you know what? My hope isn't actually in any of these things. They are going to happen. They are going to be mm-hmm. here. But my hope is in God. And mm-hmm. I just get the once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to do what it, whatever it is that he's placed in front of me the best that I possibly can while trusting him. Yeah, I, and I like to say, you know, you, you just said every moment's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, and our lifetime is once-in-an-existence opportunity to live by faith, mm-hmm. which is going to be Solomon's big, big thing that, that uh, is the answer. All right. Chapter 3, verses 9 through 12. What profit is there to the worker from that in which he toils? I've seen the task which God has given the sons of men with which to occupy themselves. He has made everything appropriate in its time. He has also set eternity in their heart, yet so that man will not find out the work which God has done from the beginning even to the end. I know that there is nothing better for them than to rejoice and to do good in one's lifetime. Moreover, that every man who eats and drinks sees good in all his labor. It is the gift of God. So here we've got set eternity in his heart, which to Joey's point of time as a theme, that's the ultimate time, mm-hmm. isn't it? Eternity. And it's in our heart. And, and that's what kind of got Solomon started here. What does it all mean? Every human has eternity in their heart. Every human wants to know. Where am I headed and where am I going? And the only answer you get to that is through God and through faith. But this is Hebel again. Mm-hmm. Now, now we're back to Hebel again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Ver- verse 11 here is my favorite verse in all of Ecclesiastes. This speaks to the tension of what it means to be a human. God has put eternity in our hearts, but we can't fathom eternity. And so that's the tension that we live in. That compulsion to understand, that drive towards completion that we have is God-given. It's part of created in the image of Christ. That eternity, uh, that sense of, of completion, of understanding, of fulfillment is something that God has put inside of us. But on this earth, it won't be fulfilled. We won't be able to grab a hold of it and really understand what that's about. That, to me, is the greatest explanation of what it, mean, what it is to be a, a human being, is I know I'm created for something more. I know I'm supposed to participate in something bigger than myself. I know that, that there is a God out there, but it's so big and it's so outside of my moment of time and my understanding what time, how time works and, and my feeble, small, little brain. And so I, there's this tension of how do I live in a world where I know that I'm made for something bigger and something better. And so what Solomon is really saying here is, look, this is how all this happens. This is really the crossroad of human experience of uh, we long for something more, but we're not capable yet of really grasping that. And the solution to that is to trust in the one who is, Mm -hmm. to trust in the one who's made all things appropriate for its time. So this moment of me not understanding is the way that God has made it. 
And he's made it that way so that I will trust in him rather than my own understanding, so that I will worship him as God rather than myself. And everything we've talked about is paradoxical. When you have a paradox, it can either drive you to distraction, like it did Solomon in his early or in the early chapters, or it can bring you to faith to hold those tensions in, with an open hand. And what we have here is in verse twelve is contentment. Mm-hmm. I'm going to enjoy life as it is. I've got another day. I'm going to enjoy that day. And then we also have striving. What is eternity, and how do I get that? Okay, and and we're to do both at once. Mm-hmm. That that's how we really enjoy the process. So, but back to that Hebrews eleven six. If you want to please God, you got to believe He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. So we're seeking profit. We're profit seekers, you know, uh, benefit seekers. Solomon started off looking for all these benefits. Where is the real benefit? It's rooted in seeking God. Now, how do you seek God? Through all these things that turn, turn, turn. I mean, (laughs) it's it's in all these different events that you, you go on exercising them faithfully with gratitude, working as unto the Lord. You know, this is Colossians 3.23. And do do everything you do, hardly as unto the Lord, for it is from him you will receive the reward of the inheritance. So that doesn't mean you don't enjoy earthly benefits. Food and drink are earthly benefits. Work is an earthly benefit. What it means is you don't put your faith in them. You don't view them as a terminal outcome. This is what success is. It's a means. It's a, it's an opportunity. I like to say money is power to act. And so most of us are born with an inclination toward self-destruction. Uh, little children want to do all kinds of things, run in the street. There's all kinds of things they want to do that are self-destructive. College students tend to be pretty self-destructive. We, we, it never stops. We, we, we do all kinds of self-destructive things. If you have more money, you tend to have more power to destroy yourself. <laughs> and as you said earlier, you can kind of see that on the front of tabloids and whatnot. But money is also a responsibility. And if you take it as a stewardship, money, time, relationships, you can put anything in that blank. Uh, it doesn't matter how much you have. It matters what you do with what you have. And if you do that with gratitude and with good stewardship, you're diligently seeking God. Hmm. You know, this is a uh, new thought that just popped into my head, so feel free for any pushback here. <laughs> if not, not a fully formulated idea that I'm about to put up. But a lot of what we're talking about in, the, in these verses makes me think of uh, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love, Right. And so I think faith and hope are talking about this juxtaposition. Hope is the eternity that we were created for, the longing in our heart for eternity. Faith is the finite experience of what we're getting right now. Love is the greatest of these because it's where those two things collide. It's where we take action in today's world. It's where we trust one another, we trust God, and we try to balance out the reality of what faith and hope uh, bring to our to our walk. I think that's a great observation. I would further say that in the next life, at least the things we have to exercise faith and hope for now won't be necessary anymore. You don't. You can't have faith in what you see. 
if I say, I have faith that Joey's sitting in that chair over there, that's not very much faith I can see, right? And you don't hope for what you already have. Uh, but love is still going to be there. Love is love is, is acting in the best interest of other people. That's what love is. And that's what the new heaven and new earth is going to be full of. It's going to be a place where righteousness dwells. Righteousness is a better modern word would be harmony, mm-hmm. social harmony. We're going to, you only have social harmony when people are doing what's in the best interest of one another. That's how the social harmony happens. So the, not only does love, uh, I think, where the two meet, it's also what continues on. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's cool. Thanks for listening to the Yellow Balloons podcast. If you want more information on adopting a God-centered perspective, visit our website at yellowbloons.net. And if you have any questions related to what you just heard, we would love to hear from you. Please email us at contact at yellowbloons.net. Thanks for listening. 